Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. We got a packed house once again here on tonight's edition of the show. We've got Round Ball Ramble, Swish Theory, Basketball Intelligence own Corbin Ford. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. Happy to talk ball as always, especially with a busy day like we've had unbelievably busy we have breaking news and then actually not breaking news and who knows where things will be once this pod ends in 40 minutes and who the head coach of the milwaukee bucks it might be corbin it might be chris it might be me we don't know also here old friend og dating back if i like look pulled up the archives here of like when chris walder first appeared on this very program i think it might be six seven years ago that i've known this man but chris walder of odd shark raptors republic I knew him back in the day at Bleacher Report, and I mean, I, there just the list goes on and on here. But Chris, good evening, sir. How are you? Good to see you again, Chase. Yeah, we we uh, OG did some podcasts way back when when we were talking professional wrestling, and we were joking about it before recording here. Like, I'm I'm growing up, man. We're we're escaping the kiddie table. We're talking some NBA hoops today. Some you know, again, like you mentioned, like a lot to discuss tonight. Absolutely. Um, we will leave the OG Ananobi trade and the Pascal Siakam trade away, Chris. You, you've gotten enough of that. And we, we know. We, we know how uh, we know. Raptors fans were kind of divided on that <laughs> one. You were like Jon Snow in Battle of the Bastards uh, going up against uh, Masai and what he ended up getting for Pascal. So we'll we'll save that for, for another pod potentially. But hey, we'll see uh, how that ultimately goes. Magic Johnson's a fan, I saw on Twitter, of the trade uh, by the uh the indiana pacers for said uh wing but we start off here the news of the hour we'll see who's the head coach it i mean maybe when this goes up an hour from now but chris you're new here you get this first adrian griffin fired by the milwaukee bucks today milwaukee's i think 30 and 13 at this point 
uh, still a top four seed in the East, played really good ball of late. Um, now he's he's fired. It looks like Doc Rivers is the favorite. Um, apparently the NBA is now going the hockey model, which rocks. And you being a Canada guy are familiar with this, where my Atlanta Hawks hired Quinn Snyder at the end of last year. And that was like something you just don't see very often in uh, at the NBA. Like the hockey, it happens all the Patrick Watt just got hired as the Islanders uh, head coach in the middle of the year. Usually in professional sports, they don't do that. They just have an interim and they ride it out and they let them get a whole new staff in the offseason. That's not what's going to happen here. It might be Jeff Van Gundy. It might be Mark Jackson. It might be Doc Rivers. But it's going to be someone else that they are going to hire, it seems like, to address this. It's not going to be Joe Prunty the rest of the way here in Milwaukee. What say you about what is going on in uh, in Wisconsin right now, Chris? Yeah, I got a little bit of a flack about it on social media when I said, yeah, I wasn't really surprised that the Bucks mm. canned him. I thought maybe they would at least do him the courtesy of letting him go through the rest of the season and then just admit that, hey, this probably wasn't the best hire for the direction we're trying to go in and just bring on whoever they want at that time. But they pulled the trigger very, you know, considering they're, what, they're like the second best team in all of basketball, not just the Eastern Conference, but like the entire league. But when you kind of like dig deeper into it, we were seeing kind of like the signs early in the season, like that Giannis's uh, relationship with Griffin probably wasn't as strong as they would have liked to would have been right out of the gate. You look at the Bucks' defense right now, something they hung their hat on last season. It's bottom third in the NBA. And you just made this big blockbuster trade to bring on Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is not getting any younger. Like, if mm. you can't afford to blow an entire season like this, and they clearly weren't confident that if they, once they get into the postseason, they were probably like, well, in the state that we're in right now, we are probably looking at another early exit, despite what our seating is in the East right now. So they try to want to, I guess they just kind of want to salvage what they have at this time. Maybe a new head coach, new philosophies, new defense, hopefully a stronger defense will inspire this team. Because if you look at kind of their recent performances, like they're just getting they're putting up big numbers for other teams, like 140, 130 points a night. I know the NBA is a scorer's league right now, but you have to stop somebody at some point. The Bucs are not doing that. So personally, I'm not surprised that Griffin kind of got the boot this early, but I can see why the rest of like basketball Twitter is kind of in an uproar. Why didn't they let him stay longer? Yeah, Corbin, were you the same as Chris? Were you not surprised that this happened even at the the point of where the bucks are in the season and just where they're, they are record wise and that they didn't just let this play out through the postseason and see what he does with this group or uh, what, what say you Corbin? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Chris. I mean, I'm, I, you hear things, you know, on Twitter, certain, you know, the vibes were off, right? There were several scenarios where it was different. There was pieces on the athletic. It was, you know, I'm not a big fan of reading the Twitter space of like the camera zoomed in on just the sideline during <laughs> random points in action but like when i did like you you watch enough ball you watch enough stuff you know okay it's kind of weird you know um it felt very much like the 2015 2016 david black caps like yeah. yeah you're successful your record looks good you have the talent there but it's what's behind the scenes right and like yeah a lot of that doesn't come to light uh, credit to them for keeping a lot of that in house right but like enough came out that you knew something was there right so i, I definitely you feel bad i mean i feel bad for a guy like adrian griffin you try for you know dang near a decade well, over a decade, 14 years, something to go for head coach job and you lose in like five months. Yikes. But at the same time, like, yeah, it was what it was. And that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation. And um, 
Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't surprised on that. I guess it was like, wow, like randomly it felt like. In my mind, I was like, didn't they just come off a win? Now, mind you, mm. they probably played Scrappy, as Scrappy as a 4-39 and team can play. The last two games they played Milwaukee. But in my mind, I immediately went back to that game, like, and it was far longer than that. It was just odd timing. But, I mean, it would have been odd timing regardless, right? When you're 30 and 13, whatever the case may be, it's going to look weird no matter what you do. But, yeah. I I just it, – it, it's – it's unprecedented. Like, I just am very curious what Milwaukee does because there's so much pressure on whoever takes over this job. Like, you gave up all your assets for Damian Lillard. You're rumored. I mean, I'm listening to Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on their podcast this week talk about the Bucks looking at Caruso, looking for an on-ball defender, looking at DeJounte Murray, and that would take a three-team because of what they'd be able to offer the Hawks. Like, they're going to have to get creative if they want DeJounte Murray. So they're in this win now mode. They make the trade for Damian Lillard. The uh, the defense was obviously going to take a hit for the offense. Chris Middleton, I mean, it's just you're counting on him or you're hoping he will be healthy enough for one at least one more deep playoff run uh, with Giannis and company um, in the last little bit of his uh, NBA prime. And then you have Giannis, who's still playing at an MVP level. Like I was talking to Ty Windish of uh, Eurostep uh, last week. And it's like Giannis, uh, I think he worked, I forgot who he worked with uh, over, maybe he worked with Akeem for the first time ever uh, this past offseason. And he's adding post moves and Giannis is just playing again at an MVP level. It's just boring that Giannis is playing at an MVP level because you have Embiid having dropping 70. You have Jokic playing the way he is. You've got just dudes all over the league that are still playing at an MVP level that we kind of take Giannis for granted. And they're just right there. They're just... I mean, no one wants to play them. They're going to be a hard team to beat four times in the playoffs. They had the embarrassing postseason loss. That's why you move on from Budenholzer. But like, who are you bringing in? Who are you saving your season for? Is it how much of this was just he was a bad fit culturally, but also like the defense that he wanted to run that Ty and I was talking about was not what they had the personnel for. So if you're bringing back Brooke, then you can't do the defense that he wants because you're going to have to live in drop coverage. You're not going to be able to switch everything. So it never made sense. And then the all-time bads, the, the bad vibes alert button was uh, Terry Stotts just quitting like right before the season gets started. Like your lead assistant just gone. Like that might have been enough for us to be like, well, that's weird. And that just doesn't happen in the NBA or that's usually just not a not a good sign. So, I mean, I'm sure it's an NBA job. Uh, a lot of qualified candidates are going to want this, but to jump in parachute in here in the middle of the year where the expectations are NBA championship. I mean, the reason doc I think makes the most sense here is because like, who cares? Doc's coached everybody. He's been in this, like he's fine. He'll jump right back into broadcasting. He's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm good with stars. Like, I don't care about the pressure. Like it's fine. It gives me something to do the rest of this, uh, this NBA season. Like, I understand the logic of bringing him in mid-year, but I don't know, Chris. Like, is this is this Doc's job? Is it If you're a Bucks fan, do you think this is an upgrade over Adrian Griffin? Do you want to see them go somewhere else? I mean, what do you what do you do here? Well, whoever they bring on, whether it's Doc Rivers, according to CNN Sports, which I just learned was a thing tonight, that was kind mm-hmm. of a crazy outlet to drop that, even though it doesn't look like it's true, uh, yeah. just putting it out there. But at the same time, like if, if you can trust in Doc Rivers to improve the team's defense, which I think is the glaring weakness at this point, and you look at the standings right now, there is a strong possibility that Milwaukee would probably match up with the Indiana Pacers in like a first round matchup and Indiana has already beaten them four out of five times. They have the mm. best offense in basketball. If you're not stopping anybody and you're going head to head with that prolific offense, which just added Pascal Siakam, you are screwed from the get go and you are ending up with heartbreak. Once again, 
Now, is Doc Rivers the guy who can possibly get the Bucks over that hump? It's hard to say. I mean, he's kind of like the joke of basketball because of his recent appearances in the playoffs where his team's blow leads on a historic level and no coach in basketball has blown more leads in the postseason than Doc Rivers. But at the same time, if he gets hired, you'd have to think that Giannis Antetokounmpo is 1,000% on board with it. I think he's going to have a huge say in who ultimately gets hired. Like you alluded to earlier, I don't think the assistant is going to be having that interim tag for very long. I think they are going to bring somebody on. Now, Doc Rivers, again, I'm kind of wishy-washy on if that's going to play out any better than it probably would with Griffin. Corbin, who's your favorite outside the box? If it's not Doc Doc, uh, Rivers, who mid-year would be the most interesting to you? I mean... I'm first going to say, I, I I think it probably will be Doc. It's weird. I think CNN, which I, I think, just like Chris, didn't know it was like a thing of sports, like, released. But like yeah. I saw it announced on TNT. I know the connection between TNT, CNN, all of that. I think it's more Milwaukee pushing back now to say face on the fact that Joe Prunty was an interim coach for seven hours. Like, I think it's more of that than it probably they'll just announce a Doc tomorrow afternoon. And then it'll be like, there we go. That's an adequate amount of time. That's at least my thought process. But I definitely think it's going to be him. But if it wasn't. I mean, you kept hearing for years Jeff Van Gundy as, like, a rumor. Like, hire the guy. Give him a shot at this point. Otherwise, why bring him up? It's like, um, coaches, I don't know. I imagine if I was to leak news to newsbreakers about this. We're considering, and then you look at the last six NBA on ABC commentators, and you're like, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, and this as, like, potential candidates. Like, he was announced as a potential one, what, the, today as well. So, like, yeah. I think it would be interesting to see him there. If you're going to be in the room that much, you've had – Decent coaching. He was a good coach with New York. He was a good coach at Houston. Yes, it's been about almost 20 years, but like he did a good job there, right? In my mind, if he's a candidate, like give him a shot. It can't be worse than Doc. I mean, but aside from that, I guess you can go, you know, some of the other guys. There's uh, Nate McMillan, you know, kind of the retreads who've been around for a bit. I feel like you're going to get one of those guys anyway, especially since it is midseason. And let's be real. I love it, but you're not going to battle with Joe Prunty. And I, I, that's just not what they're going to do. I think it's I might be wrong here. I'm going to guess it's Terry Stotts. I think he jumps back in. I just think they bring him back. Lillard's going to have the push here this way. I think there's obviously a good relationship there. There is continuity. Stotts would obviously take it. I my gut tells me it's that. But if I'm the Bucks, I mean, I don't know if you could do this. I don't know if there's a precedent for this in in basketball. But bringing back Budenholzer would be hilarious and something we should all be rooting for of like, hey, we made a mistake. It's a great relationship. Look, we you won us a title. Mm-hmm. We tried to go away from the drop. We didn't realize what we had. We had to go explore. It's like the Boy Meets World episode where uh, Corey's out there and uh, he's in. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys watch Boy Meets World, but do you remember the episode where he gets caught up at the ski lodge talking all night with another girl and then he he just he doesn't he forgets about this great thing he had with Topanga briefly it was a momentary mess up and it cost him everything they broke up momentarily they go to the art exhibit sorry spoiler alert for the mid 90s show but wow. um yeah. they go back like, yeah well then they go back and it's great Budenholzer in the Bucks probably should have just read that out like yeah it sucked that you got upset in the first round but like mm-hmm. maybe you should have just let that one go and just kept that train moving and just chalk it up as sometimes you get upset um, I don't know. Boonholzer coming back would be hilarious. I mean, pride from Boonholzer probably would prevent that, but I don't know. 
it's not it's not broken president. Look at Steve Clifford. I, that's with true. The Horn, with the Hornets, right? Bobcats mm-hmm. and Hornets. Yeah, but I'm saying like you know he he resigned or he left, moved yeah. on. They were about to hire Kenny Atkinson. Things fell apart. They said let's bring you back. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know. So yeah. Um, I think there's I also the it. issue too that all these reports have come out that the Bucks are adamant that they want Doc Rivers, and then if mm. they don't get Rivers, it's probably because he doesn't want the job. Budenholzer, who obviously got canned, you don't want to be second fiddle, third fiddle, like you know, like you said. There's a pride aspect to that. It would be hilarious for us to chat about, yeah. but mm-hmm. in reality, it's pushing it. But it's also probably the best yeah. basketball fit, right? Like the best choice. Like you'd rather oh, yeah. Budenholzer than Doc at this yeah. point, right? I'd like a lot of people more than Doc. Okay. Yeah, they couldn't live with their own failure, so they went back to you know to quote. I think it's gonna be Stotts though. End game reference. My gut tells me it's Stotts. Okay. I think it's Stotts. Um, Corbin Rozier to the Heat. How does he fit Kyle Lowry in a first round pick uh, to Charlotte? We'll see. The weird thing now is because of the new CBA, Kyle Lowry can't bounce to a couple of uh, big time uh, luxury tax teams. So Denver and a couple of other ones he can't go to if he's bought out. Mm-hmm. Um, he also can only be traded uh, individually, uh, I believe, uh, based on uh, this kind of deal. So we'll mm-hmm. see what ultimately happens with Kyle Lowry at this point. Does he get to reunite in Chicago uh, with Chris's old friend, DeMar DeRozan? Um, for a little bit of time, I don't know, but Rozier to the heat feels like he's a, a good heat kind of player. Do you like the playoff upside of bringing in somebody like Terry Rozier? And do you think he fits with what the heat's main rotation cogs bring to the table, Corbin? So I'm going to answer that question. I've got to first start. He is going to reunite with, uh, DeMar DeRozan with the Lakers. So I just want to put that out there. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, he's not DeMar's out of Chicago. He's not going to Chicago. I'm kidding about whether DeMar is going to the <laughs> I'm thinking about whether DeMar is going to the Lakers, but I know for a fact that DeMar is probably not staying in Chicago. <laughs> Chris that, out. You, you yeah, hurt Chris too much. Like, cool. Good night, everybody. Uh, it, was, it was a pleasure <laughs> meeting you. But no, um, as far as Tay Rozier, I think it's interesting. I think, I mean, I've been, I've been a big fan of Rozier. He literally mm. is part of my wallpaper with Russell Westbrook, Latrell Sprewell, Monte Ellis. I'm not going to go into it. It's a thing. But yeah. like, he's my type of player. And He's in the midst of a career year. You know, he's played play a lot. He's missed a bunch of games, but he's played a lot of them without LaMelo Ball. Unlike last year where he really kind of collapsed under the weight of having to have the dual role of being a focal offensive point uh, for them and also someone who had to, like, get others involved. He has really done well in this role, right? He's in the prime of his career. He turns 30 in March. Um, he's averaging 23 points, six assists, shooting, what, 57% true shooting and on shots that are pretty hard because it is Charlotte and, like, because not a whole lot of guys who could create off the dribble. Um, he also loves said, shooting hard shots. That man lives for it. Like he makes him look harder. Like he he's like, I'm hitting a step back three. I don't care. I am making this as physically painful to watch as humanly possible. Like oh, yeah. Rozier loves the tough shots. He he loves those. Oh yeah. Oh, he's the king of the uh, pump fake step back, and then I'll think if I can shoot. Okay, if I can't pass it, you get it right back. I'm shooting it. Like, he's in LA yeah. fitness 10, 15 years from now, MVP. Like Terry Rozier is like that dude you walk in, you're like, nope. Like he's just running the court, just doing all kinds of stuff that you're just like, I, who is this guy? And you're like, how, the, the, how do you do Terry it? Terry Rozier is a phenomenal watch in that kind of uh, off in, in the half court. He's he's a lot. Of fun. Yeah, he's a big three MVP in about five years. Honestly. Yes, that's another yeah. good call. Yeah, but no, I think he fits on Miami. Let's be real. They need offense, right? They need shooting more consistent. He brings that. He definitely brings more than Kyle Lowry, who played admirably and played a lot while they were injured. Like no disrespect to him, but Kyle Lowry's 37 kind of fading, right? Um, it's fine. I think, you know, he's in a decent, uh, uh, 
contract, I think. Um, and so that's interesting. Um, Miami, though, they need what he brings to the table. And he's somebody who can initiate offense. And that lessens the load for Jimmy Butler. That lessens the load for Bam on a bio. That lessens the load for Tyler Hero. And it also lessens it for Terry by extension, right? Because he is someone who can now capitalize on making shots. He's made 39% of his threes, of his pull-up threes this season. And 50% of his mid-range shots, which is still, like, unsustainable and crazy but it's been going on for 40 games so far, right? It mm-hmm. with Charlotte. And so you wonder on a better shot died because Miami does have more threats than Charlotte does that he'll be a little bit of a better role. I think I'm more concerned with him defensively um, than anything because he is kind of undersized. He definitely competes. Like, don't get it wrong. I've watched, I mean, I cover Charlotte. He's like, like it's, it's, it's not great, but it's not for lack of effort for him really. It's just like someone who's like 6'3 and not very like big. You know what I mean? But he'll definitely try. Um, and I guess for Miami, they've made other guys like that, Deion Waiters and other guys throughout the years, like they've made that work. I guess you could mention Duncan Robinson. Like they, for the most part, unless you're like just egregiously bad, you will find a role there. And so I think that's good. So all in all, I think it's solid. I mean, hopefully, you know, it's a smoother transition because he's in a much less demanding offensive role and he's not going to have to take half of the tough shots that he did in Charlotte. Although, as you mentioned, Chase, he enjoys those, but maybe he'll be able to rein in some of his, you know, more, uh, risky shot-taking inhibitions in order to kind of better fit with this team. And I really think it could be a good fit. And I mean, Chris, isn't it just kind of like he's the upgrade over Gabe Vincent? Or they never really replaced Gabe Vincent uh, from free agency. And like he, he's an upgrade there where I think he probably starts. They're not going to have a true point guard. And this is one of those good fits, I think, for Rozier where he's just... They're like they're just positionless basketball over there, and they're just going to find a role. Him and Hero, I think, will coexist uh, pretty fun, especially in the regular season. And I think more than anything, right, that he helps when Jimmy sits, like when Jimmy's taking uh, time because Jimmy's getting up there in age, and you have to be very careful with how much you're expending. Uh, of Jimmy Butler in the regular season, that he needs to be ready to go come playoff time. And Terry Rozier is that ultimate guy to get a lot of those shots and pick up the slack when Jimmy's not not available or not looking to be a high usage guy, right? Yeah, I mean, I think isn't that Miami's MO where they get the most out of the least? And mm-hmm. I think Corbin kind of touched on it. Like, if you're having a backcourt of Terry Rogier and Tyler Hero, they may be capable of scoring 30, 32 points themselves, but they're giving up 40 on the other end because they can't stop anybody, which therefore yeah. puts more pressure on Jimmy Butler and Bam Matabayo and company to play more defense. Now, I wasn't, I think this deal is fine. In hindsight, I don't think it moves the needle in the Eastern Conference. I know it's kind of convoluted there in the middle of the conference. I don't think Terry Rozier boosts their ceiling per se. I think there are going to be some defensive issues incorporating him into the mix. But he is that guy. And it's kind of a weird looking back because he was in Charlotte and he was like the one or two option, which he won't be in Miami. Can he accept a lesser role? Which I think he can because he wants to win and Miami gives him the best position to do that. But at the same time, like... The defensive issues are going to be more glaring. I think Kyle Lowry, even at 37, is a better defender. More leadership intangibles, of course, obviously has that extremely good rapport with Jimmy, you know, best friends. And I don't think he's going to be a Laker. I think he's actually going to end up in Philly. Uh, Charlotte will buy him out. And I think he'll end up going back to Nick Nurse. Uh, he's he's a local boy with the Sixers. Uh, probably gives him his best chance at a championship. It would be cool to see him reunite with DeMar in Chicago or L.A. if, you know, in, in a perfect world, I suppose. Uh, but I don't see that happening. But yeah, this is just kind of one of those trades that kind of shocked me because it included Kyle Lowry. But I think Miami is kind of in the same position it's in. They get a little bit of an upgrade at the point guard position. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, 
and we'll see. I don't think they're done. I, I do we agree on that? Miami still probably got something else to do ahead of the deadline. They need something else. They need it. Yeah. Right. I don't know who it is though, because I feel like they would have to go to Hero, and Hero's been really fun. I don't know if y'all have watched a lot of the Heat this year, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously a lot of fun uh, for the Heat. But Tyler Hero has been—he's cooking, and Tyler Hero's floater is one of my favorite things in the NBA. Love Tyler Hero's floater. It's a nice floater. We we, oh, we, 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 we <laughs> yeah. I was about to say we debated this one, Chase, uh, on on his floater. Yeah. Um, there's a few. There's a few guys out there, but you you definitely love his floater, and I agree. Um. Also, Chris, that was yeah. Philly's a really good. I hadn't even thought about that, and that's yeah. like that's like a perfect fit. You know, as somebody who like leadership, clutch threes, that sort of thing. Um. Yeah, I like that a lot. Chris, Chris Finch, very upset at his team after a 62-point showing from Carl Anthony Towns and a loss where he goes two for 10 down the stretch, um, goes four on one uh, at the at the buzzer and does not get a foul call, throwing something up. And uh, Finch was quite upset at his team's effort and what happened. And then uh, because Anthony Edwards is always hilarious, was just like, very blunt about it and I, i'm paraphrasing but he was like yeah that's about what happened um in terms of like them not playing uh the right way this that and the other uh trying to get uh carl anthony towns buckets because he started off so hot uh do you agree with chris finch being that open and uh what did you make of uh cat's explosion and then the hornets speaking of the hornets ended up getting the win here in, in the fourth quarter I, I would have been way more vulgar to the media after that performance, I thought Chris Chris Finch was actually putting it lightly, which is crazy considering some of the things that he said. Mm. Um, I, I caught some of the highlights of, of that performance from Cat. It, it was so weird seeing him on the same night as Joel Embiid's 70-point mm. performance against San Antonio. That was wild. On the anniversary, too, of Kobe scoring 81 of all nights. Yeah. Like, just crazy in hindsight. But it, it, it's weird because Minnesota is in a position that they're not accustomed to. They're first in the Western Conference. Everyone is looking up at them, but it's a matter of taking them seriously. And then they put forth a performance like that last night where, you know, just on paper, they should be decimating the Charlotte Hornets. But then they let, you know, the aspect of of trying to get Towns as many buckets as possible to make history and, and extend the record or what have you. That was the priority more so than winning the game. And if you're the Clippers, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, if you're any one of these other powerhouses in the West... You see a performance like that, and it shows Minnesota's inexperience. How seriously are they taking this? Are they just kind of enjoying the fact that they are as high as they are right now in the standings? And then when push comes to shove in the postseason, they'll be an easy out because they're just not used to that type of pressure. I think that's kind of what Finch was was trying to get across to his players was that, hey, it's, Carl was great last night, 62 points, fantastic, but you lost focus on what was the most important thing, and that was closing out Charlotte made a lot of mistakes late, you know, officiating aside or what have you, that was the big takeaway from that game. You can score 62 points, but if you lose the game, who cares? It's like when Devin Booker scored 70 points against the Celtics and they were in the locker room and they were holding up like the Wilt Chamberlain piece of paper saying, this is what Booker had tonight. Did they win the game? No. And that's what ultimately matters. I also think, it, so this line from uh, Tom Lee over in Defector, very good website that everyone should go subscribe to. I thought this blog, the last line was just brutal, but also it 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 does ring true. Uh, and I'm curious if you guys feel the same quote for as disappointing and darkly funny as Towns, career best scoring night turned out to be. I can't say it was exactly surprising that things went this way for him. If you had asked me yesterday morning, which NBA player was most likely to score 63 points while also being the key cause of an embarrassing loss to the Charlotte Hornets 
and have his performance <laughs> overshadowed by a 70 point game from Joel Embiid on the same night, I would have picked Carl Anthony Towns. Some athletes uh, stand out as an example of what it looks like to live a truly blessed life. Others are a reminder that even the best of us can't fully avoid eating blank <laughs> beep. <laughs> I mean, it, it is just brutal that cat who's been compared in the Embiid stuff forever. And, um, to have that kind of explosion in that way and then be do it on the same night and win and drop 70, this, that, and the other, I will say I was watching the thunder broadcast. So I was watching thunder blazers, which, um, y'all glad I tuned into that one. Chauncey Billups had every right to absolutely lose his mind because, uh, the thunder absolutely stole that game, uh, tonight Billups. I don't know what else he was supposed to do to get that timeout called. And, uh, they keep possession and they ended up winning the game most likely. So that was insane. But, uh, they ask like who was the like the broadcast uh i forgot who was the color commentator for the thunder oh, off the top of your head do y'all know in a blank he played for the sonics um and a couple other teams oh I... michael cage my bad yes yeah, yeah yeah and he was like talking he's like yeah well you know who the last guy to score or what record he broke in philadelphia right he has the play-by-play guy i'm talking like 17 seconds of silence and then i think he guessed dr j no and then he asks he's like guess again like he wouldn't leave it alone so i'm talking like a minute and a half of this broadcast is him being like do y'all we're doing we're calling an nba game do y'all not oh what are we doing and he asked the sideline reporter and they guess somebody and i think they guess moses malone or something and nope still wrong and he never answered it on the broadcast so he never said wilt chamberlain he just like that never happened but it was an incredible reason as to why i watch league pass because you never know what you'll hear and i'm just like what what's happening there's two minutes here of him uh, just being like how do y'all not know who will chamberlain is how do uh, what are we doing here folks what 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 are we doing i don't, um, I don't think about a fraudulent 100 i'm just kidding oh i mean it was uh it was great though um was, either it, way yeah. corbin corbin's corner nba thoughts or nba thought that is it fascinated you the most since last week's pod what what's been on your brain I mean, I'm going to go to the Lakers, and I'm going to go with the unpopular opinion here. I think that there needs to be changes for sure. I think that the roster was just kind of ill-fit from the start. I Mind you, and I'm saying all this, and I like the offseason moves the Lakers made. Um, mm-hmm. Even Gabe Vincent, which, I mean, never bet on Miami Heat guards or, or <laughs> former Miami Heat players. If Miami let you go, think about why. I, that's just my – I mean, we had Kendrick Nunn, and now we're doing Gabe Vincent. But, like, I would say – I think the biggest thing for me that's been an issue um, is to talk about trading for, like, DeJounte Murray. Mm. Or a player, or I, I mentioned, I made fun of, I made meant, made light of DeMar DeRozan. But, like, players like that who don't actually fit what the Lakers need. It's happened being big names, and they're very talented players, and I get that. But what the Lakers need, ideally, is a third, like, a bigger defensive-minded guy. Someone who could hit open shots. You know, someone who could hit shots, period, would be nice. You know, someone who could play alongside LeBron AD, maybe scale up their offense when they're having off nights or being more distributing, and then, like, tone it down a bit when those two go off and you just some combination of that. And I just, the pieces that have been proposed, I mean, I guess Chicago seems like the best fit because tomorrow I think of any of them can probably do on the offensive end, even though there's some clear limitations there and hopefully some package of Isaac Russo or Andre Drummond, something like that. But I'm just hearing like the, and it's being like reported from, I don't know whether reporters and such are carrying water, whatever the case may be. you hear DeJounte Murray, you hear, all sorts of random players and the big chip that's there and it makes sense because salary matches the, is um, D'Angelo Russell. And mm. that's becoming a whole thing. And I just don't think that makes sense. Um, especially since I feel like D'Angelo Russell has been playing really well. Um, I would say since he's been a starter, he's been great for the Lakers, but he's been doing exactly kind of what you want a point guard off of LeBron AD to do. 
and that is to just make shots, scale up their offense, you know, keep the defense honest as far as an offense perspective and not be horrible defensively. And so I, I just don't know why the Lakers are – I mean, I know why they're making him the player, but if you are, like, doing better than a DeJounte Murray deal, to me makes makes – it just makes more sense to do something different. And so I'm just – the what I'm hearing – Obviously on social media, which doesn't say a whole lot, that sentence sounds ridiculous. But like it just I don't know. It makes me wonder about what the Lakers parties really are. And they don't have a lot of bites of the apple here. LeBron Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Mike has been playing great. He'll be, he's 39 now, right? AD's been having a remarkably healthy season in his age 30 season, right? Like, I don't know. There's just not a lot of bullets left in the proverbial chamber for the Lakers to keep expending on ill-fitting and bad ideas off the jump. And I feel like the Lakers are trending that way again. And I'm like, if you if you got to use Andrew Russell, I wouldn't do it, but I'm not against obviously trading him, a Hachimura, even Austin Reeves if it comes to that, but just making sure that's a deal that makes sense to fill the actual team needs that the Lakers have. I think DeJounte takes maybe one of those. I think DeMar DeRozan takes maybe one of those. And Ultimately, that's just not worth it to me. Chris, is there a trade with Toronto? Is there something? Is there a package where you get DeRozan to Los Angeles? Is there? Do you want D'Angelo Russell on your team? Do you want Austin Reeves in this rebuild? Is there? Is there a partnership there potentially? Dude, haven't we been through enough this year? Like, how many of my star players do you need to take and feed all these other teams vying for a championship? Look, the OGN and Obi trade with the New York Knicks like worked out perfectly for everyone. Knicks get this elite three and deep guy. The Raptors get RJ Barrett, local kid, Emmanuel quickly, point guard of the future. And then even Pascal Siakam to the Pacers to a lesser extent. Like I kind of, it, the writing was on the wall that it was going to happen. And we at least got three first round picks for it. But I keep seeing all these rumors online about like the, the Lakers are interested in, in Bruce Brown or maybe even bringing back Dennis Schroeder. What the hell do they have? <laughs> that a, like a growing team that's clearly not in a rebuild. That because Masai Ujiri doesn't want to use the word rebuild. It's a reset for the Toronto mm. Raptors. I don't see how bringing aboard a D'Angelo Russell or even an Austin Reeves kind of expedites that process. They don't fill any need that the Raptors currently have. Russell is pissing off the Lakers on a daily basis. Other than these outbursts that he has scoring wise, that kind of you know soothes the waters, so to speak. But yeah, unless it is a three-team trade that sends Russell or Reeves elsewhere, keep the Raptors out of it. I mean, we did give you a star. We gave you Dennis Schroeder. I'm just kidding. Like, That's one of those relationships oh, thank, where it's thank like... Thank you for that. Yeah, like he should have stayed. <laughs> and the Lakers should have kept him. And it's happened no. twice now. The Lakers keep yeah. doing this where it's like Alex Caruso 
should have just stayed. And oh, then it's I, like, Dennis Schroeder, you should have just stayed. Mm-hmm. By the way, as we're talking, I have the Lakers game on the side, and Cam Reddish just pulled up lame. So, like, mm. injuries have just been a big factor. Not as big as Darvin Ham would like to say, but they have. And I don't know. I, I feel, listen, I'm, I've been a Laker fan for since, like, two, since I was little. So, like, we're talking, mm. like, early 2000s, right? I've Like, D'Lo, I feel he definitely, I think he's handled it as well as he possibly could. He's basically been a trade chip since he's been traded to the Lakers, right? And, like, mm. He could be a bigger distraction than he has been. I'm not saying that he hasn't been a distraction. He definitely sees himself as a bigger, better player than he actually is. But, like, that's his job. You know, I mean, his job, not his job is to be a distraction. His job is to score, right? Like, that's what he's – he's a decent floor general, if you will, but he's not like your kind of Mike Conley point guard or a Chris Paul. He's more in the vein of a scoring point guard. So, like, and him being able to shoot, like, I think he's just doing his job. I just feel like him being – I don't know. It feels like the, the flag is being thrown his way just because he happens to have a $17 million contract that works in trades is a bit much for me. But, like, that's my thing. But I've been with him since the Nick Young years. I'm, I, I didn't root for him. I actually wouldn't be traded back then. But, like, right now, it's just, like, I just don't want the Lakers to do what they've done before, where if you look at it, 2020, defensive-minded roster, you know, they they, they kind of made points happen, right? You know, LeBron was a little bit younger. AD was dominant. Then you had the playoffs where he just couldn't miss a jump shot. Boom. Then they say, okay, we're going to lead more into offense. Let's bring in Montrezl Harrell. Let's bring in Dennis Schroeder. Let's compromise some of our defense. Let's bring in Mark Gasol. And then we saw how that worked out, right? It still wasn't that bad. But they said, okay, chuck it all. Now we're going to trade everyone for Russell Westbrook. We saw how that worked out. They said, okay, now we're going to bring these guys back. And now we're going to bring, you know, D'Lo and Jared Vanderbilt and, you know, um, um, at the time, Malik Beasley. And we're going to remake the team that way. And we saw what happened. And now they want to do another change. Like, that's what I mean is that type of, like, wholesale changes here. You got one championship out of four years, and you reconstructed the roster basically four different times outside of LeBron and AD, right? And so I just don't want them to try to do another seismic change where they're just not that good. Like, they're a decent team, but I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. it's desperate. It's desperation because you're trying to maximize the remaining years of LeBron James's career, and you can't. Sure. It's kind of like what I talked about earlier with the Milwaukee Bucks, where Damian Lillard is like in his mid 30s right now, and you can't afford to waste one of his prime, like whatever's left of his career. He's not he's still playing at a prime level, but he's not in his prime per se. Mm-hmm. If the Lakers throw this season to the wayside, yeah, like LeBron James is defying father time, but he's going to be entering his 40s. Like, is he still going to be a guy that can carry you to a championship? So if they need to do wholesale changes and make drastic roster moves, that's kind of the the, the position that they're being pushed against. Like, what other choice do they have at this point? No, I, and, and that, therein lies a conundrum. I get You're right, because they, they have to, but it's like, I don't know, I feel like they've missed several times. Like, they the, the, best, the best success they've had out of this swing and miss, swing and miss was this past year. But now, you know, maybe mm-hmm. we don't know. They, they had a great streak. It was great. Um, they made further changes in the offseason, brought in some guys. I get it. They've been injured. But the, the core that they the core that they brought in at the trade deadline of last season is still mostly intact. But now they're going to try to do wholesale changes again. And it's like, okay, like each one feels more diminishing returns in my mind. Like I thought this last trade deadline was perfect. I thought D'Lo, okay, offense. I thought Jerry Vanderbilt, defense, Malik Beasley shooting. Two out of three ain't bad. But like – given what what they've had and it's worked and right now like the west got tougher you know the west got tougher and and it sucks and i get it but like the moves that are being like tossed around right now because of what you said chris they have to do something but like i i just i don't want that to be the sole logic to make a horrible move you know what i mean like i'd rather them sit pat and be like okay let's hope we get these guys healthy and see what happens in the playoffs than then to make a trade and make it worse because they felt like oh i don't know like we have to do it, you know. It's it, this is why I'm not. This is why I'm not running a team, among many reasons. But like that is the mindset of like what I'm going with, and as a fan of like wanting this team to be good, yes, but not 
just for any big name or has been star, like actually address some issues. And all these players are being tossed around. You know, you squint and you see it. Like there's no DeJounte Murray is talented. DeMar DeRozan is talented. All these guys are there, but do they fit what the Lakers are need? And that's where I feel like you have the questions, you know? Well, it could be worse. You could be trading DeJounte Murray for 70 cents of the dollar of what you acquired him for and then proceeded to <laughs> lock him up to a long-term extension and then Fair enough. just be in real, real purgatory here. NBA purgatory. It could be worse. I do love that Masai is fighting the whole rebuild. It's like we were talking to Vivek uh, last week, uh, Chris, and it was like I told him and he, he was tweeting about it today or the other day and he was like, yeah, this is going to be bad. Like you just, it's one of those where you have to watch the Raptors post Pascal and post uh, a couple of their guys. And we'll, we'll see. It gets ugly in a hurry in the NBA. Like you're not going to be Pistons bad, but like you can call it a reset, but no, you're going to be bad. Like there's not a, there's not anything left in the cupboard. Like when you lose that much talent and that top in town, when you've only played six guys for the last three years, it's going to get ugly. And Scotty's super young. And now Scotty's your best player. Like, whether you want to admit it or not, like the Raptors, sorry to say, they're they're in for, I think, years of just basement dwelling in in the NBA, which would be good for them, I think. I, I did say after 2019 that I gave them like a decade of goodwill. Yeah. So if I need to withstand some below 500 seasons, some, you know, lottery picks along the way, then so be it. I still got my replica championship yeah. ring stored away somewhere in a cabinet. Cool. I can't find it. I hope it's there. But again, when, when you win a championship, it changes kind of like your philosophy, yeah. at least as like a fan and someone covering the team. That's also, really, like yeah. you should have to wear the purple and the bring back the dinosaur, uh, the Raptors logo, like the actual 90s Vince Carter McGrady during the bad years. I think that should be required for Toronto when they go through a rebuild. They revert back to those uniforms. And then when they're ready to contend again, they go back to the Kawhi red, black and white. You you should whatever your worst season was in franchise history. If you know you're bad, you should wear that coordinating right? jersey. I think that like shouldn't the Bucks, be a whenever they're thing. bad. They should it wear should creamsicles. It's just great. Exactly. Like we all know. Like, Can we get the that. Rockets and the pinstripes then? Yeah, the Rockets and the pinstripes. That also works. Like I'm I'm here for all Rocket of this. On top, yeah. yeah. Just do that for it's new fun. fans. That's how we dictate who's bad in the league is what they're wearing. Okay. Yeah, like Vancouver, like Memphis has to wear Vancouver all the rest of the year. Like yeah. they only can wear Vancouver stuff the rest of the way. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Corbin, your league pass team right now, and why or why not? Uh, would you recommend watching the Portland Trailblazers at the moment? Um, aside from DeAndre Ian and the magic that he is, um. No, I'm kidding. I just, I, yeah. I mean, they're a fun team. I think the Portland Trailblazers are, are, are they're a bad team. We get that. They're a young team, but they do have some interesting pieces. Whether you're looking at it from who's going to be available at the trade deadline to which guard will be on the Orlando Magic in three years to, you know, just is Chauncey Wills the coach to kind of get these guys together? There's a lot of questions there, but I love, you know, seeing the continued development of Scoot Henderson. Like, he has looked horrible to start, but he's really turned a corner over the last month. Like, he's looked better, which, like, Rookie point guards, give him time. Who'd have thunk it, right? Um, but, like, he's looked a little bit better. Um, Anthony Simons, I think, is really starting to lean into the role of kind of being the primary offensive creator um, and, and doing it in a way that's more consistent than it was. Um, Want to see more Chayden Sharp for sure, but, like, that's a thing. Um, and I, I, I'm looking at it really as someone who, like, lived in Arizona, was a big, I mean, bear down, U of A, you know, saw it. Like, I really, joking aside, want to see Aiden step up. It, it mystifies me why he's not 
as big a role on this team. And some of it is because the guards on this team are either A, you know, still young, developing his passes, B, more shoot-verse guards, or C, have very little chemistry with Aiden, like Malcolm Brogdon there. But at the same time, like, the dude is taking the least, like, least amount of shots he's taken years. Like, he's not nearly as assertive. And then when he is assertive, it's, like, stuff that isn't really dominant. You know, I mean, his, his nickname is dominating, but he's, like, I don't know. There's another word. He's, he's just not that. So they're a mystifying team for me, but they have talent. Their, their potential is through the roof there. I'm sure a fun team to play with in 2K. If, you know, if I play 2K, like, I think that there's a few things there that are interesting to watch. And I think they have the kind of role-playing um, players, whether it's Tumani, Kamara, or Duop Reith, that are, like, really interesting to watch from a prospect and development perspective to really see kind of what they have in their games, what they're adding through the course of the year. I think that's always one thing that's attractive about bad teams if there is really anything is like seeing what kind of development and what that development chart looks like over the course of the season you know as you're watching players and what they add to their game what kind of role um what kind of role they kind of carve out for themselves based off of what they were given so yeah that's not is necessarily the most fiery speech to watch the portland trailblazers but like even tonight's game against the thunder like it went down to the wire if it wasn't for like an egregious call who knows you know it was a fun game just last week they had a fun game down to the wire against Brooklyn and Anthony Simons had a game winner. Like they're they're a good yeah. squad. They're a good bad squad. There you go. I think Reese better than Aiden. Is that a take? Is that a is that a fiery take? It shouldn't be. I'll leave it there. He's better. Like you watched I watched the whole Blazers Thunder game tonight. I don't know what Aiton does that's better than Reith. Like Reith can drive and kick. He's a be- he's better in the offense. Like I think he does more things that help you win basketball games. Uh, in and out, he's just feels like more of a team player. Like I I really like Reith. I you know he's fun. I think Jeremy Grant still really solid. Um, I think Anthony Simons. One of the cool things about him, he's got a pure shot. He's a great offensive scorer. I think he's just only going to continue to get better on that side of things still super super thin like the guys never put on weight i thought he'd get a little bit bigger uh over the years in the nba because he came in so young but he's still still pretty uh pretty thin and i don't know what he is if he's a starter on a title team we'll see down the line Shaden sharp's been out so we don't know what there is scoot chris like the what we thought dennis smith jr could be like is that is he like the best case scenario oh. dennis smith jr like dennis smith had this kind of type i'm I just when I watch Scoot, they play so far off of him. He had a really good shot at one point in this game, one three. They do not respect Scoot Henderson's jumper as a rookie. Like the Thunder were playing extremely <laughs> off um, Scoot Henderson. I don't know. Uh, that just is something I jotted down where I'm like, is he like best case scenario, Dennis Smith Jr. when he was a rookie? I admittedly, I admittedly do not watch a lot of Portland Trailblazers basketball, but when I do, I keep my eye on Scoot Henderson because he was mm-hmm. kind of like a sexy rookie of the year pick, and that obviously hasn't panned out whatsoever. I kind of see like the Dennis Smith Jr. like comparisons, but it Again, as someone who covers the Raptors and a lot of people wrote off Scotty Barnes after the first year when he won Mm. rookie of the year and then he had a bad sophomore year by his standard that he said his first year, like I'm not ready to say Scoot Henderson can't be more than what he currently is, but there is a reason why defenders are not respecting his jumper because he doesn't have one, but that doesn't mean he's not going to have one for the rest of his career. So obviously I would Portland would obviously want more bang for its buck initially with, you know, that kind of a pick for Scoot Henderson. But I, I still think there's enough talent there that he can exceed this Dennis Smith jr. Ceiling that he probably has right now. And it's not a slight, like I just, 
Like Dennis Smith Jr., people forget like what he. I, I was really in on Dennis Smith coming out of NC State. Like what he could potentially be. Like it's easy to forget what guys we what we all felt like when you go back and read the draft boards and like what NBA Twitter was saying about guys and like oh what a steal he's gonna be great here and then you see him in the league for a little while and you're like oh this is not who they're going to be in the league. This is not gonna go the way that you thought it was gonna go. And I mean we'll see. I, I think scoot's got a lot of time there's a lot of things to like uh, i'm not sure what he'll ultimately be but the portland just uh they fight hard like portland's still fighting uh night in night out so i would recommend watching the portland trailblazers they're fun um as a league pass uh team right now uh final thing here and we'll wrap up on this edition of the program here uh chris why this it's in your name walder wild nba trade idea of the week the trade deadline coming up in just a couple weeks your favorite one that you could throw out this week is what? Give me your trade. Look, it's not going to happen um, because Utah is good This now. is what makes it wild. You can. This doesn't have to be in the realistic space. It, it, it's not really. It's not really wild. But I've seen a couple people bring this up. I think Laurie Markkinen would be a goddamn perfect fit for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, mm. I, it's one. It's one of those moves where, and because they're they're sitting on like a treasure trove of draft picks right now. I, if Markinen were to join the Thunder, they might be my NBA championship pick. I think it's that kind of a move wow. where Oklahoma City is just like on the brink. And it's kind of like what I said earlier with Minnesota, where once they get into the postseason, a lot of people won't respect them because of their inexperience. But I think Markinen can be like that defining piece where if you put him in the Thunder with Shea Gilgis Alexander, you have Chet Holmgren to kind of cover his defensive, you know, inefficiency with his shot blocking and what have you. I think that's kind of like the perfect encapsulating fit where Oklahoma City Thunders or the Oklahoma City Thunder ceiling gets that much bigger to the point where they are a legit title contender. Now, whether it's draft picks or if you have to move someone like, you know, a Dort to kind of make the money work or what have you, I think if if Utah was kind of like at the like the bottoms of the seller kind of team, they had that amazing, you know, winning streak and now all of a sudden they're vying for a play-in spot. It's not going to happen at this point. I don't think Utah is going to be a, a seller at the trade deadline. But if, if something drastic were to happen where all of a sudden you hear reports that Markinen is available, Oklahoma City, pick up the phone. I do that tomorrow. What's the deal? Like what what if you're trading Markinen to OKC? Because you're dealing with Danny Ainge now and you're dealing yeah. with the Utah Jazz and they're playing really good basketball. Uh, I highly encourage people to go listen to Thinking Basketball's podcast on the Utah Jazz um, last week, I think it was, but um, it was really, really good as to what's happened and what's flipped the script and why they're in the play-in conversation. They have a lot of leverage where they don't have to trade Laurie. He's, uh, he can be a long-term guy yeah. if they want him to be, but they could. I, I don't know. What's the, what's the move? Um, who are you giving up? Because I think you're going to have to give up someone big in your core and i just it's not gonna you can't just get away with case wallace and um lou dort i think i think it's gonna have to be like obviously shay's off and chet's off like would you move on from jalen williams for laurie markinen because i think that's what I the starting move, point would i be wouldn't move i wouldn't get rid of williams i'd get rid of giddy if if, if utah is more. willing to take on giddy but you're also i i almost kind of see it as like a similar package maybe not exact but kind of what la had to do um for paul george where they mm. got like a really young piece and then just like a draft picks coming out of the wazoo 
And that's what mm. Oklahoma City currently has. If you give them yeah. a young piece like Giddy, maybe one of your bench guys, and then like three or four draft picks to, you know, just to entice them at that point, I think that would ultimately be enough if Utah was willing to part with marketing. But kind of like what you said, considering where they are in the standings right now, I just don't foresee that happening in my personal viewpoint of wanting Oklahoma City to thrive. Perfect situation. What do you think, Corbin? Do you like Lori and uh, OKC? Well, that's a great fit. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that was probably the the like the one I most want to see outside of one that will no longer happen. I want to see Pascal Siakam in, in um in Dallas. Like mm. I wanted to see that. Yeah. I thought that'd be interesting. Yeah, but like that obviously is no longer a thing. Laurie Market into Oklahoma City will be there. A nasty team, man. Like they are one of those young teams that are that like he brings exactly what they need. You know, like you said, from those from that position with his shot making and just yeah, there's a lot there to like and. OKC has the assets where it really wouldn't be that big of a deal for them to like go out and get him. And he's still like what 26, 27? Like, yeah, there's too many reasons why that would work. Let me let me pose this question to you guys. Obviously, not knowing what pieces would be outgoing, what team would have had the higher ceiling? Oklahoma City with Laurie Markinen or Dallas with Siakam? Oh, Dallas with Siakam. Yeah. You said wait, what team would have had the higher ceiling? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, in the like postseason, what, what like team in... gets further in the playoffs? Like, is it Dallas oh, with, would, with Siakam? Would... Because considering the the, the bench that Dallas yeah. has, they'd have to give up a lot. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. would have to be outgoing and whatnot. But with yeah. Oklahoma City, they'd probably have to give up a little bit less because they do have those draft picks. But if we're exactly. operating under health, like, are we saying that they're both healthy in this scenario? Both teams are healthy. We're going based on kind of what we know is the, the history of these guys yeah. like Kyrie might miss some time Donkic has missed some time like we're going just based on just pure you know I'll still take three guys up. that are in the top 30 in the NBA right now and I'll still fair. take them in a postseason run like three guys who are firmly in the top 30 I, I would two guys would, in the top 20 yeah no no I like like I still like that but I think I would go I mean it's not the most <laughs> world brain theory here but like I would probably go okay see because they've already been better and they're getting upgrade. Mm. Like all things be cool. They're they're better than Dallas has been. They're getting upgrade. Dallas getting upgrade, but they're giving up less to get that better fit for them. Where Dallas is probably giving up more to get that better fit. Then you go in the postseason where I think it evens out a little bit because yes, Dallas has superior talent, and I think they're better at making shots in those scenarios where we haven't seen a Jalen Williams in the playoff series yet. We haven't seen a Chet or those guys yet. But what you know, and they're a younger team, so there is some doubt there. But at the same time, like. Listen, they, it's, been, it's legit. Like, what we see has been legit. That's a very good question. I'm going to lean Oklahoma City um, just because I think they have different ways of doing it. And, yeah, they could be a team that, you know, stalls out in the postseason. But I just, for some reason, think Laurie would be like that hit of, I don't know. Very young teams don't win in the postseason. Like, they're one of the youngest teams. Like, this is, they're in uncharted waters. And as of right now, they're the number one team That's what's uh, weird about the though, West. Like, like they're not your normal young team. That's what I'm thinking. Like they're not the things they're doing. Yeah. Like it's just not done like that, you know. And that's what's throwing me off a little bit. I think because you're right. Like young teams don't win the postseason. Young teams also typically aren't number one in the West in you know dang near February. Yeah. And you're and you're well, being I mean, very complimentary of like Dallas' right? big three, but like mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, look at it this way: Gilgis, Alexander, Holmgren, Markinen. Are you telling me those three are not top 30 players in the NBA right now? Top 35 at worst? I don't think Chet's a top 30 player yet. Um, Lori. He's knocking on the door. Is he knocking? I'd have to put the list in front of me. Like, I'd have to think about who the who's in my 30. Um, 
I don't know. I still I just, don't. Yeah. I don't trust that core. I don't. I wouldn't go all in with that. I really wouldn't. I don't think he can win. We'll be doing the show. I think he'd be really good. I don't think he can win. I I don't know. And I also think the Thunder, the Thunder and the Wolves are just monitoring the standings because like it's gonna be so interesting because you have the Suns here at the sixth spot. They won six straight. The Kings at seven. I think everyone wants the Kings. Like if you're the Thunder or the Timberwolves, you yeah. want the Kings in the first round. You want probably the Mavs second. The Lakers will see they're right there in that nine spot. Like if it's Suns Thunder in round one, I'm picking the Suns. The Suns are beating the Thunder in a seven-game series. Like I, uh, Kevin Durant and a healthy group, they're winning that series. Like I think I, it'll be if healthy. If they miss one of their big three, I think they don't win. I agree. If they're healthy, they're beating the Thunder. If they're, they're healthy, the if they're healthy, I think it's a good challenge. Yeah. I think I think Phoenix is one of those teams where like their depth is what I worry about for sure. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. And their big three, like when they 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 also have this nasty habit. At least they have during their six-game winning streak of like pulling out the game. But digging themselves in the massive holes to start, yeah. And so I don't. It's not. It's not. It doesn't inspire full confidence in me. Let me just say that. But oh, then no. today, you know, they have good talent there. But I think OKC would be a frisky team that would give them problems, just like Minnesota would give them problems. Like I definitely wouldn't immediately say Phoenix for sure on that. I, I would at least say go six. Okay. Did you see the report that just came in, guys, from uh, Woj that uh, Chauncey Billups, uh, Portland's going to be filing a protest after uh, the him, end of man. tonight's game. But there you go. I mean, he's not going to win, that, but that was one of the more good. egregious things I've ever seen. Like, I don't know. It, folks, go watch the video. I don't know what else Chauncey Billups is supposed to do. Like, he is standing right next to the referee yelling, call time, like, timeout. Like, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. In this <laughs> I think Tom Tom Haberspro said on Twitter that they had two of the most inexperienced, like, refs in the league currently roughing Checks that out. game. Which, yeah. So, there you go. Thank you. Love the NBA for that. The Timberwolves okay. of officiating. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, oh, so what was it? Um, what was the Timberwolves game where it was like, a, oh, Steve, Ma- what was it? Um, what was the terrible official who was not Steve, not Mahorn, um, Steve Malone? What was it? Um, why am I like, this is like OG ESPN True Hoop Network stuff. Um, this is going to drive me nuts now. Like it was a whole video with Kevin Love. It was the David Kahn era. Maybe it happened with Rubio or... Um, Alexi Shaved, what was it? Oh, what was it? Timberwolves uh, referee ending. Oh my god, this is gonna drive me nuts. Um, <laughs> this might take me a while to figure this out. This is some niche stuff. I'm not gonna do this right now. This might take me a while. Uh, Chris Walder, what can the good folks check out from you all across the internet this week? Dude, I'm everywhere, man. Almost like like too much for people. So if you mute me on Twitter, you block Never me on too Twitter. Much, I totally get it. Never too much, Walter. I like I like to hear that, man. First of all, yeah. absolute pleasure coming back on your podcast. It's been too long. Hopefully, we can do this again soon. But if you do want to find me online, I have started with the team at Odd Shark. I am basically kind of leading up their NBA side right now, covering basketball on the daily. So check out my work there. And like you can Ed see Malloy, here in the, the video, way, it's Ed Malloy. It was driving me nuts. Oh, Ed Malloy. Oh, Ed Malloy oh, in a Timberwolves game. Ed that, sorry, that just. Ed Malloy. There we go. Yeah. That made me feel better. I wasn't going to sleep tonight if I could not remember that. was that. on Ed you. I'm happy for you, Chase, because that was going to keep you up was driving me up the wall. <laughs> oh, Ed Malloy. Yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, continue. And, uh, of course, like you can see on the video here, uh, Raptors Republic, I'm doing some coverage for them as well. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Waldersports. There you go. Corbin Ford, what about you over at Roundball Ramble, Basketball Intelligence, and Swish Theory this week? Yeah, I'm following Basketball Intelligence. We put out, you know, 
best NBA writing we kind of put together um, every day. Uh, there was a piece we did, well, Mark Medina did for Basketball Intelligence on DeAndre Ayton, which was funny, um, but definitely that's uh, <laughs> like the one word that came to mind for me. Um, but I helped put that together, kind of do some, you know, sharing of that um, and work with some fine folks on that. Uh, Switch Theory, we know, great work on draft content and just general um, roster building and, and, and player profiles. We dropped a lottery big board 1.0. Um, that I was happy to contribute to. I did a piece on um, Rob Dillingham and Kyle Filipowski. So that was the thing. And then Rambo Ramble, which is your daily NBA recap show um, with the scores of what you missed and what you should have watched and what you didn't watch and everything there. So definitely make sure to check that out. Thank you, Chase, for coming on. As always, have a pleasure here. Um, in fact, yeah, that 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 that's I'm excited to always be a part of uh, talking about with fine folks. And a pleasure to meet you, Chris. There you Bye, go. Guys. I love it. The Chase House Podcast, bringing folks together. Corbin, Chris, thank you guys as always. And I'll talk to you all both very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.